Hello and welcome to the Loose Spokes Podcast. I'm Randall. And I'm Roger. San Diego, good track. I really, I think it was pretty well designed and I, I love the back-to-back whoop sections. I think that's really changing the game for a lot of people. Oh, yeah, the track was definitely good. The dirt was just amazing looking. Man, I'd love to ride on that kind of dirt. It'd just be like a gear, you know, but I don't want to do those whoops. Yeah, that looked a bit sketchy, for, especially from uh, from some of the privateers. They were really, really going for it. Jacob Hayes even commented that he, uh, at like press day, he's like, yeah, I'm not going to jump those things. And sure enough, he never jumped them. And he got pretty squirrely towards the end. And I think it was Alex Ray that was apparently like kicking at the whoops during yeah. track walk, trying to knock them down a little bit. I did read that. How about, uh, you know, just a real quick one for uh, local Northwest people. How about Carson Brown last weekend? Carson Brown, he's been he's been you know pretty solid. He's been like a lot of like eleventh, like just outside the top ten, and then he got an eighth, and that was that's really cool. And that is kind of a a, a local a local guy. He he beat um, he really kind of first made his name when he beat Ryan Villapoto at Washougal in the one twenty five race. Oh yeah, yep. Yeah. And, but That's he's the first always, time I heard his name. He's always got done his backyard track where he's tearing around on you know an XR 100 or whatever or CRF 150, just just pinning it over stuff and just having yeah, a blast. They, they had a a bit of him on uh, one of the uh, Moto. I think it was Moto 10 uh, from the the series that they put out every year, and I think he was he had a a bit in that uh doing his little uh, mini bike stuff and that was entertaining carson brown pulled a whole shot he pulled a whole shot was it in the main event um now i can't I, remember what i feel like it was in a heat because i i think i would have remembered him he might have been towards the front like top top five like right in the front row but i don't remember him getting credited with a whole shot it must have been a heat race because he was he got the whole um he he led for oh almost a lap, um, which was exciting to see a you know a local guy pull a whole shot. He and ended up getting eighth in in the main, which he's slowly doing better and better and better. Um, be interesting to see. I mean, he finished ahead of Derek Drake and Alec Martin. Uh, uh, just neat to see a local guy do that. Good. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean. <sighs> Amart's just really, really off this year, and I can't tell what it was because he was on that JGR Suzuki last year, wasn't he? Uh, gosh, things we should know. I yeah, because he wasn't he wasn't on Yamaha last no, year because I remember right. that team. This is his second year, yes. Because wasn't he on last year with Enzo Lopes? Wasn't it those two? Shoot, was he on KTM last year? That's also a distinct possibility, but I think I think that kind of goes to show that he hasn't really he hasn't popped since his last year on on Yamaha, where he had his share of issues. But that was he hasn't really had a good a good season since then. I mean, he's he's had some podiums outdoors, but I wonder I wonder if he did kind of peak you know in his mid-20s on the the yamaha and i wonder if he 
is going to be able to kind of find that magic. Of course, as I say that, he's going to he's going to come back at Seattle and get a podium or, yeah, or a yeah. heat win or something. Well, the first few races, he's gotten some great starts. It seems to me he's even led some laps, but he does kind of go backwards, you know, throughout the race. Yeah, he's kind of, even whether he got a good start or a bad start, he's pretty much gotten seventh on average all season yeah. long. Like, he's, yeah. it's kind of been unremarkable and almost disappointing. He hasn't even held off the top three guys for more than a couple of turns. Yeah. And a lot of the time, if he started ahead of those three guys, they would eat him up in a lap, all three of them would get around him. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not seeing the fight from him. I, I don't know if he's uncomfortable on the bike or or what it is, but I, it just doesn't seem like doesn't seem like the you know what jgr kind of signed up for was he was still you know one of the guys that would say oh yeah he'll win an outdoor moto you know he could win a a supercross race he doesn't seem to have that right now yeah yeah i don't know i don't know i mean the bike's got power because he has gotten several good starts yeah it's it's just you know i expected a little bit more from him this season i know he's not a supercross specialist in any uh yeah. In any stretch of the yeah, imagination. Outdoor, outdoor guy. But he's always been pretty decent. Like he uh he won he won Vegas one time, if I remember correctly. Yeah, could be. I don't recall. Yeah, he's because he's had some some good uh good finishes in Supercross, but I don't know, I because I think I had him picked um I think for a podium on the season. Um, it could have been on the other coast because we were we were guessing at the time. Yeah, I but think we had I, Jeremy on as a podium for the East Coast. Yeah, I think I had uh, Amart picked for for the separate coast. But oh, okay. No, look looks like uh, yeah, I, I had him on for third third place in the championship on the East Coast, but clearly he's he's West Coast, but. You know, JGR's having some some bad luck on the two fifties with you know injuries, and then the people that are there are just not not living up to what we all know their potential is. Yeah, you know, yep, Alex yep. Martin is fast, and we know that uh, Jimmy Dakotas is capable of uh, you know top fives for sure, top threes on a on a good day, and maybe back on the two fifty East Coast he'll do better. But you know, he never got a chance to really show it. Norin didn't really get a chance to. Uh, to get a, a fair shot at it. Yeah, but they did They did get tickled this week, though. Yeah, and that was fun to see them finally officially say that he's out there. I, You know, at this point, I'm just expecting him to ride with Chad Reed, you know, where, like, his goal is to get into the main without going to the LCQ yeah, yeah. and, you know, shoot for top 10 to 15 in his first race. I think that would be that would be a win for him coming in. Do you expect more from him? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think he'll move up and get, you know. He can get it's a, hard he, to say top 10 just because yeah, the field is, is so he, he deep. 10th place, he definitely could. Um, you know he's been training hard because he's you know, wants to try to make a comeback. And he was always, he was actually probably as good as ever in the 450 class when he got suspended too. 
Yep. When when that happened, he was on that KTM. He was at Alden Baker. Yep. He was putting in better and better results every yeah. week. Yeah, he was. And, uh, you know, I was like, oh, he's going to be a real podium contender with yep. a good start. And yep. he would have. I I genuinely believe that he would have if, if yeah, that hadn't been taken from him. Hmm. But it'll be good to see him back out. Yeah, it will. It'll, and you know what? JGR is going to have a guy in the 450 class. I mean, they've tried so hard a year that almost didn't happen. And now all their guys are hurt. They tried so hard to get them signed, and then now they're all hurt. Yeah, it sucks that they put so much effort forth. Like, they really, really put the effort forth, and it just – and then it's it's kind of insult to injury at that point. <laughs> yeah, it is. Kind of like Pro Circuit's been for – several years but looks like that drought might be over well not with forkner well yeah i mean well with you know with forkner and and uh but they've they've always had riders that should be taking championships they haven't had a year that they didn't field someone with championship uh hopes on each coast yep Yep. but it's just things always go wrong for them yeah i mean but they've always had the potential to do that some some uh, coasts, some, you know, they just don't, some teams don't have a real championship contender. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's just, that's just kind of how it is. Uh, I think that Yamaha might have that problem in, in star racing on the East coast. Um, but we'll, we'll get into that later, but you know, that that's something that other teams struggle with that pro circuit has the ability to bring in kind of whoever they want they're still mm-hmm. kind of the premier team oh yeah as shaky as that might be yeah between you know geico and star being right up there like i i wonder people that are that are coming up if you were to pull all of the top amateurs coming out and they were able to do like a, a blind poll where they weren't going to get in trouble and you ask them if you had your pick of any 250 team would you want Pro Circuit or Star or Geico or other? Yeah, I think that that would be like, that's a pretty even pick, I would imagine. Because it used to be, it, it was Pro Circuit from 1991 to, what, 2010? Yeah, yeah, maybe and then, 12. But about, you know, because 10 is when Eli Tomac won his 250 title. So that was kind of the beginning of, of Geico, mm-hmm. you know, with because they had Kennard come through and then Tomac was them kind of proving that it wasn't one and done. And then, you know, through 14, they had Bogle and, and you know, more success. Uh, they had Will yeah. Hahn. Yep. And so and by then I could see that really being being a thing. And then starting with starting with Jeremy Martin and, and continuing with Cooper Webb mm-hmm. and even on to today, Star is kind of... I think if I was coming up through amateurs, that might be where I want to go. I just have the best, the best chance right now. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. They do. I mean, they got two, the top two points guys in 250 West, you know, and then they're going to have McElrath and I, I, I can't find a list of who's riding East. Um, but you know, McElrath is going to be, he's going to be in the mix with Jeremy Martin and and the rest of them. You know he's going to be. If I can just figure out who the other guy is um, for Star in the East, that would be helpful. But I can't find 
a list. Yeah, I can I can kind of think off the top of my head. I know that Geico is going to have a pretty strong showing, really. I mean, they're going to have reigning champ Chase Sexton, you know, back oh, from yeah. Yeah. yet another uh, collarbone. They're yeah. going to have Jeremy Martin, multi-time outdoor champion. Um, and, you know, he has major skills on the bike, even though he's been off. And, you know, Hunter Lawrence, you know, we saw what his brother could do and we've yep. seen what he can do outdoors. Yep. I really think that those three are going to be really battling up there. I mean, Christian Craig and Jet Lawrence were, and they were kind of considered to be maybe the B coast. Yeah. You yeah, know, yeah. the rookie and the old man. Yeah. And yeah. they really put a showing out. And I'm, I'm super bummed that they're not out there racing, you know, the rest of the East Coast rounds. I think it would have made it more fun. But the, I think the East Coast is even stronger for Geico. Yeah, I do too, because they got three good guys. Yeah, and Joe Shimoda, if he's going to be uh, out in Supercross. Uh, but I feel <laughs> like he might be getting his points this year in um, the Futures program so that he can uh, race outdoors yeah, I, and then I start next read, year. I haven't read what... Uh whether he was I just last I read about Joe Shimoda was he was kind of it, it wasn't a no and it wasn't a yes yeah I think I think a lot of people are are kind of holding that holding that kind of close to the to the vest um but let's see uh I mean pro circuit is going to have you know Garrett Marchbanks this is going to be his second uh supercross year <clears throat> or did he start in outdoors last year I feel I like this is his second year. Supercross, at least for one year, yeah. Okay, well, yeah, then it's going to be his second year, and then we'll see how Jordan Smith does. I mean, he there's some real hope there. Yeah. But, you know, he came from KTM. He went from, you know, coming into Vegas with either a points lead or very close to, you know, a win and, uh, you know, crashed and, and didn't, get it yeah. done and then yep. that was the next year he ago. just didn't show up in supercross yeah that was two years ago he, he had the red plate going into San, into las vegas yeah and the next year he just didn't he didn't seem to back it up for whatever reason yeah and so you know maybe pro circuit will be good for him but it's also a new bike yeah. so yeah it's arguably arguably a better bike um i think that him and mcarath are going to do better that's just kind of the feeling i get yeah, and you know McElrath over over at Star, and he's going to have Colt Nichols, who he's he's a dark horse man. Yes, like, he can he can win, and then he can not show up too. I'm going to put him on the same level as Justin Cooper, where you know I'm not surprised that he's running third behind Ferrandis and Forkner, and just for some reason not able to. You know, he had a massive points lead right yep. away yep. and just slowly it slipped away. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I'm not hugely surprised by that. He's he's young. He didn't grow up doing this, you know. He's nope. he went to college. You know, this is not to be this is to be expected from him. The fact that he did as well as he did right away is he's still ahead of the curve. Oh yeah, he's way being ahead third in points against all those guys. Way ahead of the curve. Yeah, I agree. And I I think Colt Nichols is kind of going to be the same cuz he he won um I believe A1 last year. 
uh, or possibly the year before, but he's shown serious speed and the potential to win races before. But I could also see him getting fifth, you know, at the end of the season. There's a lot of good people out there uh, that he has to race against, and he hasn't shown consistency yet. Right, right. That's what it seems to be. He can, you know, and Justin Cooper, I mean, if he gets a good start, like in the last race at the triple, the triple clown, crown we just got done with, um, he was gone. He fell in the first two, but he won the third one. You could kind of see he was going to be the fastest guy, but he just never, never had the luck. He crashed in the lead in the second race and I think he was real close to the lead when he crashed uh, in the first race and finally stayed up in the last one. Do you think, because I think this, I disagree with Mathis. Mathis uh, of Racer X thinks that Ferrandis is the fastest guy on the track and that he thinks he's the fastest 250 rider. I think he's third. Um, I think he's the third fastest 250 rider in the class right now. I think Justin Cooper is faster, but he got the red plate immediately, and I don't think he expected that. And I think that the weight of the red plate messed with his head and then compound that with having a bad week and then the points getting closer and then getting beat the next week and the points getting closer. And I think that piled stress on him and to the point that he almost wanted the red plate back off of him. He just didn't seem yeah. to ride the yeah. way he did outdoors. He still looked tight every race. Yeah. So I, I, I think Justin Cooper's probably the second fastest guy in, in the two fifties right now. I think he is faster than Ferrandis, but he's so up in his head right now. And Ferrandis is, he's a veteran. He's been doing this a long time. He knows how to handle, manage a, a, a championship. He did it last year, mm -hmm. you know, against Cincerillo and yeah. he stayed consistent and he won because he didn't waver. And he's, I think he's got the mental side. He's got everyone beat. I think that the West coast barring injuries is done. I think Ferrandez yeah. has beat yeah. even Forkner mentally, which is, which is a feat. Yeah. Yeah. But he definitely is in his head now. I, I would totally agree with you on that. I found a list of the East Coast teams. Okay, I was going through uh, team team by team. Jeremy Martin and Hunter Lawrence and says Joe Shimoda is going to be there. Oh, good. It, it'll be good to see him again. Like he should be doing what what Jet Lawrence did the first two races. You know, looking yeah. around. You know. 8th to 12th and you know showing speed and then making a bobble and having to regroup like that's yeah, yeah. what he should yeah. do yep and not do a full scorpion into the face of a jump you know that yeah. was that was still an incredible race and an incredible showing by him and I think all eyes on that kid right now I think he's oh, he's God. got every team manager uh, with you know their their pencil and, and pad, uh, trying to figure out what kind of number they can offer him yeah. uh, next yep. time he's up. Yep, yep. Just yep. the I mean, sheer sheer potential in him. The fact that he was 
you know, catching those leaders. And then when, you know, he was sprinting away, if he hadn't crashed, Brandis yes. wouldn't have caught him in time. No, he wouldn't have caught him. And, and he'd ever done that. Anyone's going to lose their head in that situation. Uh, Especially a 16 year old who's never done that. Exactly. We were, I was laughing. We were at that race watching it happen. Just going, this guy's head's going to explode. I mean, there's, if he, if he can stay consistently that 10 second lead that he had, that he was building, you know, half a second, a lap, second, a lap. If he could have done that all the way to the end, the guy would be just a, a brute, but no, he was normal, (laughs) but boy, he was sure. He sure tried hard when, when Ferrandis got there, he's wheeling through the whoops and things like that. Just completely going for it. I've never seen someone on the ragged edge for so long. Yes. And, and just the, the sheer, what that kid can do. I, it just it almost scares me that we're going to end up with a an Australian Jeremy McGrath yeah. <laughs> um, running things for a while. Certainly a Australian or not? A, yeah, Australian Bob Hanna. <laughs> Better. Comparison. Yeah, that's probably more apropos. Yeah. <laughs> Hanging off the back of the bike, wheeling through the whoops, just leaving it on pretty much no matter what. <laughs> <laughs> he wanted that so badly. I haven't yeah. seen that kind of determination yep. in a long time. Yep. yep. I just I, there's a lot of determined riders, but that's next level. Yeah, that was that was, and you know what? If he can just harness that, that's something. Oh yeah, yeah. That's and that's that's something that every team wants to see. Um, do you think that Rockstar Husqvarna's got a uh, got a, a a chance with RJ on the other coast? It's He's got, they have RJ and I want to say this right. Jake Swole. Jalex, Jalex Swole. Um, he's going to. I think that, that sounds about right. Yeah, he's going to be. Um, actually, the guy was pretty good at Monster Energy Cup. Yeah, he would have been in the amateur all-stars. Right, right. And uh, he was right there. Uh, was it Hunter or Jet that won that? Jet. Okay. Because Hunter had already gone pro. He was a click better. Oh, you're right. He had. He was a click faster, you know, noticeably, because Swole had the lead and, and he got chased down. Um, but still, I mean, he he's definitely, you know, just outside the top 10, I would guess, and for a rookie, no problem there. And then RJ is their, their other guy. And, you know, he's... He's inside the top 10 guy for sure. Could he win a race? Yeah. But it's hard to say his adjustment to the to the Husqvarna, how, how that goes. Yeah, and with those steel frame bikes, it's really you like it or you don't. Yeah. Like you either gel with it or you don't. It's very, it's very hard to see someone get so-so results. If it's so-so, it's because they've had so many, you know, fifths and then 17ths that it's yeah. evened out yeah yeah then you know the the other tld guys there's pierce brown and then uh brian maru who i believe is an am uh an amateur that they're bringing up yeah he finished fifth in the amateur all-stars at the 2018 monster energy cup hmm it's interesting 17 years old he's still he's a young guy too 
than yeah. Pierce Brown. I, I wonder how he'll do. Wow. Young guys. Jimmy Dakotas, is he going to be – was he injured or is he just waiting and ready to go? Uh, I think he was a little bit banged up, but it, the plan was always for him to stop riding 450s like – he was going to do like three rounds or four rounds. I think he was going to do four rounds. And then after three, he kind of got banged up and he was like, I'll just stop now and get an extra week to recover and, and train up for the two fifties. Okay. Cause he's a two fifty rider. He just had the opportunity. Oh, he'll be there for JGR. That'll be good. Yeah. They, they, they need that. I mean, that said though, they're not the only, um, uh, Suzuki team who's going to be out there, you know, with some, some decent riders. Um, there's the HEP Motorsports has uh, some pretty fast guys, unless that's a, a 450 and I'm missing it. Um, that's, all, that's all the list that I have was, was the ones we talked about. Because what happened, maybe this is a 450 thing, we can kind of segue because I think we're done with the list. Where's Max Danstey? Wasn't he supposed to race with HEP Motorsports this year? You know, that rings a bell. Okay. Um, okay, Max Anstey is out with an ankle injury. He had to have surgery on his ankle before the season started and okay. won't be racing in the near future. Okay. Okay, so he, he never started. That's why I assumed he was a, it was a 250 operation. Uh, for him is that wouldn't make sense. He's been 450 for a very long time, but yeah, I guess he was he was hurt before it even started. So kind of a Savachi sort of a deal. Yep. Wow. And I don't think we have any uh, any update on on him um, on the injury of, of of the number 17. I haven't. I haven't heard anything new on that. Uh, if he's even out and writing yet. Well, can't be too close. They they did say that that uh, Brock Tickle was a fill-in rider for both Freddie Norin and Savachi. Yeah, I mean they they need to get someone out there because Norin's out with you know with a, a leg injury, um, and. Uh, Savachi's out. Uh, yeah, they haven't set a, a return date for him breaking his heel because breaking his heel—that's what um, Blessinger did last. Blessinger did. Yeah, Daytona last year. Yeah, and how long was he out? A long time. Was he out the rest of the year? Out the rest of Supercross. Uh, and he came back for like the last three or four rounds of outdoors. Yeah, it was a long time, and and I remember him kind of saying that it was really a tough. Uh, tough thing it took a long time to heal for it from it yeah but he he had um an infection that happened so they had to go back into his heel oh okay that uh, slowed it down. yeah he had complications on his so i would hope savachi should be in for for the outdoor season yeah that would be my guess is that they're uh, waiting for him to be ready for outdoors and that's that's probably for the best is to let him let him start outdoors at 100% maybe do like the last two supercross maybe to try and get gate drops get in race fitness mm-hmm. but at the same time 
that's a different sport to be training yeah. for. Yeah, no, I think it'd be safest if they just waited and he started once he could ride, just go right to outdoor stuff. Yeah, that's that'd probably be probably be a good idea. Um, so I wanted to go ahead and start putting this in the middle, kind of between last week and and next week. Uh, but before I do, do you have any other any other thoughts about that? That's you know we didn't actually talk the mains um, very much for the four fifties. Okay, so we should probably go over the the four fifty race. What what were your thoughts on that? Why don't you run for a little bit and, yeah. and let me know what you were. This race here, you know, you always hear this guy say, "I got to get a start. I got to get a start," and you know, it always seems like the same things happen and they think, well, you just know who the good starters are and they just go away and that makes them seem like the fastest, you know, Roxon and Tomac. Um, they've always been at the front for the last four races and pretty dominant. Well, those guys got bad starts this time and and they just couldn't catch up. And this goes to show you that, you know, that the parody really is there. You know Cincerillo's fast. You know Cooper Webb is fast. Um, Justin Barsha obviously is, is, uh, fast too. He did well, uh, but these guys could not, they couldn't run with the, the leaders. You could watch the timing and scoring and, and, uh, both Roxon and Tomac, even though they were, you know, moved up a few spots their their the number of seconds behind the leader, they was constantly growing. Uh, so they weren't going as fast. You know, they're struggling. They're they're in their roost and everything like that. It has a lot to do with it. But there's no there's no just busting it to the front this year. It's just not going to happen. You know. Yeah, and usually Tomac can kind of go into beast mode as they call it and just start picking people off and going to the front. And uh, you know, on the Suzuki, uh, we saw Roxon do that, especially outdoors, where he would get a thirtieth place start. Yeah. And then be to fifth by the end of the first yep. lap, and then you know to second by the end of the second lap. And before he starts the third, he was around Muscan and and going away for the next twenty eight yeah, minutes. That, you know that is not not happening here. I mean, to, uh, Tomac, I'm I'm thinking you know maybe somewhere along the lines of the second lap or so. I think he wasn't. I think him and Roxon were like seventh and eighth, right? And, yeah, something to that effect. And uh, Tomac got they only got made it to, to fifth and seventh. Fourth and, but yeah, f- yeah, fifth and and sixth or fourth and sixth is what those two guys ended up. Um, mm-hmm. They just couldn't move forward. You know, that's that's a big deal. Um, they're really the parity really is there, but you know the best may the best starter win, and that's kind of the case. Or at least you know if you get top three you have a chance to win. But if you get outside the top three, your chances of winning are pretty slim, no matter what your name is. And that's kind of what uh, Tomac said. He said, when, you know, by the time I got out into any kind of clear air, he said, it just took me too long, you know, to get there and the leaders were gone. And you can't, you know, getting speed on a, on an open track is a very specific mindset to make up time. Cause if you don't see them, you know, you can kind of check over some, you know, uh, you're going through one section, you can see them on the next section. You can kind of gauge if you're making up time lap to lap and you've got the, you've got your, your pit boards, but it's different than if you can see them on the straight and start, 
catching their actual tail instead of an abstract they're over there yeah it yeah. really does make a difference it does make a difference you can you can smell blood if you're on the same straightaway if you're not you can't yeah, yeah that's just a huge huge mental game and i was i was just shocked I, is is Roxon running out of gas he's just seems well you know less I think... and less aggressive every week well, but you know, I did watch the heat race. He was typical Roxon. Gone. Gone. I mean, three laps in, that race was over. Yeah, there wasn't much to, to watch in the in the heats this week. Yeah. Um there was some stuff, of course, but not like not like the week before Oakland was was a lot. San Diego was kind of kind of boilerplate. Mm-hmm. Like people weren't trying super hard, you know, gate pick matters, but not that much, apparently. Look at, uh, did you notice Blake Baggett quietly getting third place? Did you notice that he was never very far behind uh, Cooper Webb and Adam Cincerello? I mean, there was a and, couple and he of didn't times. didn't lose touch. There was a couple of times where, you know, when when Cooper Webb was decided it was time to pass Adam Cincerello, it was half that reason is probably because Blake Baggett could have dove inside and passed them both. In a couple of times. And he, he did. Close. He made a couple of he made a couple of attempts. And remember yeah. the week before he was playing that same game with uh Tomac and Rox. And yeah. so yep. he's kind of the odd man out, yeah. always, you know, on the outside looking in, just right there. And we know he has the ability to win races. Yes. He did last year. Yes, he does. He's a fast guy and no one should should forget that. I mean, he's should be in as much the conversation as um as Barsha. Yeah. Yes. But yeah, and he even said on the podium himself, you know, he's like, I'm actually disappointed. Like, I should have been up there with those guys. And he was only four seconds back the whole race, in, and everyone in else the, was in the 10 end. to 20. Yeah, yeah. In the end, he was, but, that you know, three quarters of the way in, he wasn't that far behind him. Yeah, I think you're right that that's what, that's what kind of jump-started Webb to go catch Cincerillo is – I was sure he was going to get past. I'm like, oh, yeah, a Bogles or a, a Baggett's going to pass him. Cooper Webb. Yeah. He's caught him, and he's yeah. he's starting to put a wheel in. Yep. And then Cooper was able to turn on the uh, the afterburners and do the Cooper thing. He starts running away from one person. All of a sudden, he's caught the person in front of him, and he just kind of snowballs that into going faster and faster. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So he's definitely knocking on the door, you know, that, that good start and get a little clear air for the first two or three laps and maybe he could do it, which, you know, it's nice to see that parody. really is. Yeah, that's the word that we keep using because that's what we want in the sport, you know, yeah. is we don't want to know who's going to win next week. I want fantasy to be impossible, <laughs> which it was last week. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, it was way off from what it's been. You know, I haven't got to see it yet, but apparently there was a little run-in between uh, uh, Justin Brayton and Anderson. And I've... You know what? Yeah, there was some stuff on Instagram, and uh, Anderson said on Instagram, he's like, he's got no problem with it. It was, it was he said, uh, I started it and Brayton finished it. I've got no problems. I, I just, so... I just watched the video, yeah, and... Uh, yeah, he came in there and they just checked him. And you know, I don't think that I don't think that Anderson really did anything wrong, but it did it did put 
uh, Brayton off the track, but he was able to ride down the side. And then he popped it back in behind Anderson, did everything legal, and then he went and did a pretty hefty block pass. <laughs> I would say that that is, not only is that kind of at the edge, you know, Brayton's a nice guy, but everyone says he's a nice guy off the track, but he's a killer on the track. Like uh, Andrew Short was. Short. Yep. Silent Assassin. Silent Assassin. I didn't know Brayton was that way, but there it was on video. Yeah, he can he can get aggressive. He did uh, he did a little arena cross back in the day, so he, oh, yeah, he knows he how to do that. Yeah, so he's and he's he said you know out loud he's like, oh I did I did arena cross and you know everyone thinks of the bear it's like okay well Brayton's just as big yeah. and a little bit taller yeah. yeah he's got that same same thing in him yeah but you know what there's no didn't look like there's any penalties or anything it was just you know fairly aggressive racing. It was still more aggressive than anything that Ferrandis has done in the last two weeks. Oh, totally. You know what? For the Ferrandis passes of Forkner, part of that is Forkner getting out of his way. If you want to know what I think, because like, yep, you know, I think I think that's exactly it. I don't think he's made a dirty move. No, he hasn't since since Anaheim no. too. I think he. I think getting booed and getting warned by the AMA. Yeah. I think he gets it and he's been careful. Yeah. And I think maybe now everyone's being a bit disingenuous with the booze. It's like, well, he didn't do anything. Yeah. And, you know, I like Ralph Shaheen, but no, he's not. Yeah. He's worried about the penalty, but we don't have to show every time he makes an aggressive pass now. Like right. at a certain point we become soccer. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, he know, hasn't done anything, anything senseless since that. So, you know, he's just racing and he has to, he, you know, Forkner's his main competitor, um, and he just needs to kind of establish the position, and maybe he's already got that, you know, and that's why Forkner gets out of the way. He's just like, nope, I don't want this guy to take me out. I'm just going to take second. I'm going to think the long game, you know, win when I can win, and if I'm going to have to get second, I have to get second, but I'm going to get second instead of 22nd. Yeah, yeah I think I think that um, uh, Forkner's – biding his time i think he's trying to stay in the hunt this year yeah and hope that ferrandis makes the mistake that cincerillo made last year and try and flip the script of of star and pro circuit you know this year and he's you know it's it's the right game to play because i think that he doesn't have the speed on him this year uh so that's forkner's uh best bet but uh, back to the to the four fifties, it's interesting to see kind of the the team and brand lineup for you know like the top ten. Mm-hmm. You know you've got the KTM's in first and third, and then the uh, you know because Baggett's kind of the closest they have to a second factory KTM. Right, right. Uh, and then you've got the two factory. Uh, Kawasaki's in second and fourth. Yep. And then you've got the the lone Yamaha. Yep. Followed by six, seven, eight, and nine uh of Hondas. Yeah. You know, with varying factory support. Sure do. And then they're bookended by the other Yamaha. Yeah. And uh we've we've got Zach Osborne and Jason Anderson in eleventh and fourteenth. I know Anderson had uh, a problem, yeah. but still like that's 
that's that's not ideal for a baker factory to be first and then 11th and 14th yeah yeah they're definitely having a hard year this year like we talked about pro circuit's been having had been having some hard years and you know the baker's factory has been on the top for a long long time and they're going to be putting all of their chips in cooper webb because um i uh david said uh in a private conversation that is this going to be the first year that the Baker factory loses a championship? Yeah. Yeah. Cause it, it's very possible. I mean, there's, there's three riders other than theirs that really have a strong shot. I mean, you've got Roxon and, um, Cincerillo, which are on their own, yeah. you know, training thing. And, um, uh, native Coloradan in Tomac has his own his own practice thing going on out there. Yep. Uh, and you know, so Cooper's Cooper's really starting to catch fire and I think he's going to be on the podium most every race from here on out. I think he's I think it took an, one extra race than last year and he's he's now caught fire and he's not too far behind nope. to make it. <clears throat> but you know what just like uh, he hasn't been getting very good starts in the first races. All he has to do is do what Roxon and Tomac did this week, and boom, it's just if you don't get that start, it's yeah, everything. It really is the game. Yeah, it really is. Uh, you know, one one guy that we you were talking about, the bookend Yamahas, Aaron Plessinger. See how well he was doing early in that race? That is what I knew he could always do. He just needs to be able to do that without dropping anchor at the uh, ten minute point. He was in third place, um, chasing Cooper Webb, and he looked like he could pass him. And I'm thinking, just be patient, just be patient, you know. And he followed him for for several laps, and then he went down. But that's got to be a confidence builder for him to get up there and feel it. Yeah, I he, he has the potential. Oh, he's a yeah. he's a championship winner. All of these guys, I, I sound like a broken record. All of these guys should be winning the races, but only one guy yeah, can win each week. One. And that's why if you don't get the start, you're not going to work your way up from tenth and win a race. This is not going to happen. And the problem is, you you look back to two weeks ago, and you look back at someone like Barsha, who's you know ten to twelve seconds out of the lead, and you're like, oh well, he's just not. He's not championship material right now. And then you go, oh, well, last week, Tomac was nine seconds out, nine or 10 seconds out. And, you know, Roxon was like 15 seconds out. These are guys who've won the majority of the races this year. So anytime you get to the end of a race and you see a guy in, you know, seventh place and they're 15 seconds off the lead, Mm -hmm. doesn't mean they can't go and win two races. That's how, that's how razor's edge these races are are so plessinger being you know 11th place behind all these all these hondas or right behind cooper webb is really just sliding out yeah. uh you know that's in it. a corner once yep. that's all it takes yep that's all it took but again that that's what we want to see is is who knows um so this this week uh, messed up a lot of people's fantasy leagues. I think 
I know mine was nowhere near. I didn't, you know, yeah, I didn't. I don't think any of them on my list were where they were supposed to be. Uh, I mean, Cooper Webb was uh, one spot off. Cincerillo was two spots off. Like you had some of the right uh, people in there, uh, but it, you know, all in the wrong positions. Yeah, you went from 107 points out of out of Oakland. Mm-hmm. To twenty points this week. <laughs> Are you guys? And, can, uh, do you guys catch up with me? So this is this is what's actually interesting is, uh, uh, David's wife um, earned forty six points this week. Okay. So she closed the gap with you mm-hmm. by about twenty six points. So now you guys are only ten second ten points separated. Really. Um, yeah, so you guys are both really close um, in in overall rank and and with with points. So you guys are only ten points separated, but then it's forty six points back to Jessica, uh, who also only gained twenty points uh, this week, mm-hmm. but her husband gained forty one, closing the gap to her by 21 points so now they're only eight points separated but then from kenny down to me is another 25 point gap uh whereas i also gained 20 points this week uh and uh david was able to get 41 same as as kenny and so he closed 20 point gap to me so the gap between first and second is 10 points between uh third and fourth is eight points and between fifth and sixth is four points. <laughs> three, so we've got go three on. really tight races, but all those are, you know, 20 to 50 points from the other, from the other groups. So we've kind of come down to three different races between, yeah. you know, Roger and Cheryl Jessica and Kenny, and then at the bottom, uh, Dave and I, um, you are representing the, the podcast against, uh, <laughs> against everyone else. So don't, don't mess it up because we're, we're a long way back. I mean, uh, <laughs> got to represent. Yeah. I'm, I'm almost, I'm more than 75 points out. It's, it's uh, 80, ooh, like 89 points down. Not great. Um, but, you know, as we saw, I can get, you know, you can get 20 points one week and then 110 the next. Yeah, it's a long season. Uh, yeah, exactly. It's a long season. So it, it's kind of apropos for for the, the season in general. I When I look at standings, I think to myself, as long as they're, less than you know 25 or less points out one full race uh-huh. uh you know in the first half of the season all those people are real real still championship contenders and i think that's the most true about justin barsha oh yeah he's, as we, he's not out of it and as we go east coast he's going to get better he he's someone that prefers prefers that and Cooper Webb hasn't shown the same affinity for the East Coast that he did 
previously. Mm-hmm. We know that he comes on a little bit later in the season, but I think that's less to do with tracks and more to do with him. Yeah, desperation to get it done. Yeah, I think a little bit of pressure helps him succeed. But we know that Roxon does better on the East Coast, and we know that Barsha does better on the East Coast, even though his 450 wins are in Anaheim. Um, he he seems to be more comfortable on the East Coast. And like last year, he had a broken broken thumb or pinky. He had a broken uh, finger on his hand, so he missed a lot of the East Coast stuff. So we didn't get to see him out there on the new Yamaha representing there. But um, I think that we're going to see some real changes as we do our East Coast swing in the 450s. Yeah, it'll stabilize a little bit, you know, because last week was not what we had been getting. You know, you thought it was stabilized and then San Diego happened. Um, But the cream will rise to the top. Yeah, Yeah, and it's who, you know, who's good on both types of dirt, who can stay strong in the middle of of the season and... You know, there's there's a lot of talk about the middle of the race being when people kind of settle in. You know, everyone pushes for the first seven minutes and then the last five minutes plus two, everyone tries to rip again to yep. finish strong. But there's that middle of the race where everyone tries to kind of maintain and find their, their pace to not get too tired, you know, so they're not getting past a bunch at the end of the race. And that the way to win a race now is to get a good start and then still push in the middle of the race. Yeah. Everyone seems to be racing the way that McGrath won championships, which is go out and blitz for the first seven minutes, make a pecking order, and then dial it back. And just if someone starts to catch you, as as soon as they start to get, uh, you know, pit board saying that they're gaining on you, you need to put down a couple of heaters and stretch that back out and break them. Yeah. And then go back to your slower pace. Without having to battle with them. Exactly. Like go from a, oh, seven second lead down to six, down to five, down to four. And then you put on some heaters just as they start to see you. Yeah. And then as they're going, yeah, yeah, I'm catching them. Then you break their spirit and go, oh, no, I didn't see them. Then the pit board says six and a half, eight. And you're like, oh, well, no, okay, I can't catch him. Yeah. When in reality, maybe you can hold that pace and the guy in the front can't. Yeah. But, you know, that's the cat and mouse that if you can stay strong through that, that middle of the race and when someone tries to put on a charge, you keep going. And, you know, when they have to slow back down to maintain pace, you catch them. That's that's what people are saying is is probably the weakest part of of the sport that people could make up time and that's that's why i thought that osborne was going to be more of a factor than he is is because he has always shown that he was strong through the middle of races right and he's actually showing the opposite this time which is kind of strange you know he's been up front close to the front early in some races but he goes backwards which is not that's it's not his style yeah, he's he's fading, and that he's he's the one guy that I, I wouldn't have bet would would fade. Like Cincerillo, I could see fading, but he he doesn't. He makes mistakes, then he tightens up, but he doesn't fade. But you know, you know, actually, Zach Osborne started out in this race dead last, and he pushed and got to eleventh. So you know, we're talking about trying to move forward. 
he did and that's good. better than a lot of his finishes that he started in the top five yeah. and faded back yeah. to yeah. 15th yeah so he did move forward this time and it's very interesting um and speaking of those guys kind of around the top 10 what about malcolm is he gonna is he gonna show up because he keeps getting bad starts and then working his way up to inside the top 10 and kind of like he's making these charges on people and then they are able to hold him off and the camera kind of pans away and he no, just he, stays there. He got eighth place. I mean, that is not bad. Um, it's wonderful. I mean, for a non-factory team. Yeah, I mean, he's 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 actually doing good. You know what he's doing, though? He's not like A-bombing it out there and crashing and getting hurt. He's actually finishing these races. And that's that's probably what the story should be is, look, he's finishing well and he's finishing all these races. Yeah. He's not flashing the pan and then getting hurt like like last year. He's showing that he's still fast in this super deep field. Um, but also, you know, he's he's finishing every race. And that's probably what he's intending to do is go out and sh- show consistent speed. Mm-hmm. Because I'd say he's one of the most consistent guys this season, just from you know watching on the television. Yeah, yeah, he has he been. seems to always be around that spot. He doesn't have the super high speed. Now, I seem like the last couple of weeks I watched a battle with him and and Tomac, and Tomac went around him, and you know he he kind of tried to fight back a little bit, but not too hard. He kind of he was maybe he's growing up and you know keeping a level head and. You know, if he can end up with eighth overall in the at the end of the season, not a bad thing. Not at all. Not at all. So Moseman finally got to got to finish a race again. Not quite on the podium, but you know, fourth against those three top guys is, is still not bad. Yeah, he's definitely established himself as as uh one of the fast guys. Yeah, he, he has I think next year is going to be going to be him and and McAdoo are really going to have a chance to to show what they have. Hopefully, Moseman can show it outdoors because I know he has some outdoor chops. But definitely next year, those two guys, uh, Moseman and also Hartramp. I mean, he's he's been he's been wonderful this season to to see him come from the uh, not the Rocky Mountain but the Rock River Yamaha team and you know, get a, a full factory ride and, and really show what he's capable of hanging out around the podium all seasons has been, been a real delight. Yeah. Yep. He's <clears throat> those guys, both of them have improved a lot and they're, they're always there. And the three Australians, two of them, one, two of them are going home, but Luke Clout's gonna, gonna come back and, and finish out the, the West coast. Yeah. Yeah. Which is good. That's good. I mean, he's he's definitely making a mark. He's doing good. He's you know had a couple of he got off a couple of times, but certainly got some speed there. It reminds you how how big the U.S. Supercross season is around the world because this guy's walking away from a not a sure championship. championship, but like a, a real real good chance at getting yeah. the outdoor yep. championship down in Australia. Yep, because he's getting better faster. He's not winning, so which means he's got room to improve, and he's learning from a lot of good guys. What's how fast you got to go? 
but he'd rather struggle for top tens here than win championships yeah. outdoors down there. I mean, he almost got a top five. Yeah, he got top. He got sixth place. That's not bad at all. Yeah, he was four seconds out from Brandon Hartranf. So I mean, he was pretty close to being a, a privateer on the in the top five. Yeah. You know, his first season here, just a few races in. Yep. yep. Yeah. That's that's really wonderful uh, that he's able to, to to stay here and and finish out the season. So it'll be fun to see him and McAdoo uh, back in in uh, Seattle. It's you know poor Cameron McAdoo. Like between yeah. yeah you know two weeks ago he got hit by Mosman's wheel right after coming back from uh, injury and you know not really able to to ride to his his fullest and then to have a bike failure. The next week yeah yep yeah get the heartbreaks out now i suppose uh before it gets you know championship time again no i'm gonna back up a little bit and go back to dylan ferrandis <clears throat> so if he wins this championship he's got to go for a 50 yep i've i've already given that some thought and um i think it'll be um He'll he'll take Plessinger's spot. I think Plessinger will bow out of uh, Yamaha, and Yamaha will pick pick up Ferrandis because yeah, that makes Barsha's sense. had better results over the past two years anyway. Yeah. But I, I don't think that's the right bike. We've we've talked about it on on airs yeah. that you know I yeah. don't think it's the right bike for Plessinger anyway. But I think I think we're going to see Ferrandis on a Yamaha factory 450 come next January. Yeah, yep, that's probably the case. That's probably yeah, that'll case. that'll probably be the case. But that, I mean, that also means they're going to have both of their riders are going to be over twenty five years old on the factory Yamaha squad. <laughs> but if that's the best team they can come up with, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, I just wonder where Plessinger is going to go because it almost feels like almost feels like Suzuki is kind of the what ktm had their third rider slot for right where they would kind of give everyone one last shot Mm -hmm. to try and you know uh, try and try and show that they have what it takes to be on a factory team with with was it canard that spent a year there yes yeah canard spent a year there's a number three guy yes and so it was and they had short and then yep. they had Canard, and then they had um, Tickle. Yep. Those were their three kind of shots of that, and then they went and they stayed with with the two rider format. I feel like Savachi Plessinger at uh, Yoshimura next year is is very likely. Or he could go to uh, the KT the other KTM team, the Rocky. Oh, Mountain. take. Yeah, take Bogle's spot possibly. Because I mean, having two championship numbers on your team—the number four and the number seven—you know—that's going to look good. Yeah, yeah, it is for WPS. So yep. that's actually a, a, a pretty good idea, and that's going to be a very different bike um, from the Yamaha. So it, you know, if you want to really make a change, uh, that that would be it. Yeah. Yep. And you know, full factory support uh, is is key for someone at his at his level. 
And if there ended up being room at Rockstar, that's a possibility too. They got three riders. Yeah. I I don't want to say it out loud, but I wonder <laughs> yeah. I wonder how long Wilson's gonna keep riding. I just the way he talks, it almost feels like he's wanting to kind of retire like this, like that he doesn't like the pressure and he's not putting out the results he wants. And I think he wants to be a championship contender. And if he can't, he might not want to be out there. You know, it's, he talks a lot about, you know, people don't understand how hard we work and it's every day. And it's, you know, it's always, always running 10 out of 10, um, you know, just 24 hours a day. They, they, everything they do, you know, how long they sleep and what they eat and their whole life is run by this sport. And if you're doing that for, you know, $70,000 a year plus bonuses, but you can't do better than a top 10 and you're not really getting the bonuses and you're working all year, all day. Yeah. yeah. I wonder if that's off. worth it to him. Yeah. Hmm. <clears throat> but he did work his butt off to get that ride. So, yeah, you know, no, I'm not, well, I'm not, questioning his uh his his drive i'm just wondering if that's what he wants if it's what he wanted to do he could keep that ride i i know he has the skill and the determination but i wonder if that's what he wants anymore you know and there's there's also you know you never really know how many people that the uh smart tops team is going to have on there yeah they've got three i mean that's they went from from nobody to four i'm kind of four like i i don't know why i still consider brayton a a smart tops guy because he's he's not no he's factory uh, honda but he's still very connected in with those guys um because he kind of is what brought them really into into the full satellite yeah. team he, level helped get them really in the in the picture instead of the outside looking in he really is the guy because he was riding a, a smart tops honda when he won uh, at daytona in 18 yep that was a it was a privateer bike on the top step of one of the most prestigious supercrosses of the year yep he did and that that was a big deal that, that he did that he was also the uh, the oldest rider to win uh, a Supercross main. Yep. Yep. So, I mean, that was that was huge for them, and I think I'm always going to tie him strangely to their team, even though he was only there a couple of years. Yeah, but, I mean, I suspect that that's where he'll be back next year. But you got to ask yourself, how many more years is he going to do this? You know he's going to probably go back to Australia and defend his championships. Yeah, he'll he'll keep doing that. I what I want to see is is uh Brayton and Clout and Dan Reardon and um Wilson both Wilson Todd and Dean Wilson and Chad Reed all racing the Supercross series in Australia. Oh, that was just great. those are all great riders that could really really and uh, I didn't even mention Dean Ferris. You know, mm-hmm. Ferris wheel should be should be in with that. I mean, you could have a super deep field down there too. 
yeah, um, yeah with those guys and it probably pays well enough for all those guys to be there well i wonder if you spread it out that much if it would still pay that well but i mean i i would love to see more supercross uh around the world because right now the u.s is the supercross it just is you yeah, know if yeah. we go overseas there's if there's anyone there's one or two guys yeah. that give our you know a minus or b riders fits especially in the 250s more so yeah um i would love to see a little more parody in that like we finally have outdoor parody where we are not the best outdoors right now and that's a whole podcast on its own but we finally you know have parody it's not just well there's stefan everett's he could he could beat our guys but <laughs> that was it and then it was well Kyroli's fast now now there's a lot of people that can yeah that can play yeah um, there's, there's five or six of them that can, are fast enough i'd love to see that in supercross because right now we have it without a doubt you know you take our top five, top 10, top 20 against your top five, 10, 20 from any country. And, you know, we have listeners in other countries. So I, you know, not to be disparaging, but it's, that's what Luke Clout said is the depth of field up here is so much greater. And I would love to see a Supercross designations that's competitive. I would adore to watch that every year. The Europeans would just have to get more involved in Supercross for that to happen. Then it would happen, but they just don't seem to have an interest on it. Or maybe it's just the, you know, the cost for their cultures that it's just not reasonable thing for people to do. However, you know, here, even in the United States, I mean, Joe Blow can't go rent a stadium and practice in it. There are Supercross tracks that are outdoors. Um, but that which would be easy enough to do in in Europe. Europe, if they would just put their mind to it, they could compete. It would take them four or five years, but they could do it. Look at Roxon, Ferrandis, Muscan. These guys all came from Europe. Yep, they just needed a, a few years over here, and they yeah. they're all championship material. You know, yeah. they've they've got championships in the two fifties, and they're yeah. championship contenders in the four fifties. Yep. Yep, so it's just not that far away. It's just a how bad do you want it, I guess. And there's been a lot of Supercross champions from from other countries. I mean, Jean-Michel Bell came yep. over, mm-hmm. you know, came, saw, conquered, and then just left. Chad Reed. Chad Reed, well, you know, great great example of a hugely winning uh, rider with multiple championships who came from Europe via Australia. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when Dean Ferris came over, he got a second in one of the motos. I think that, you know, he could do very well. Dan Reardon rode uh, the 122 bike for mm-hmm. Star Yamaha uh, for a couple of years. And he put, he put up some decent finishes. And he's in his 30s, older. And who doesn't, so, think, who doesn't think the Lawrence brothers are going to go home with something? They're, they're already showing incredible, incredible speed. Uh, you know, Hunter Outdoors and Jet Indoors, uh, they barely have any any races to show between the two of them, and yep. they've done incredibly yeah. well. What they've done, they've done well, yep. Yeah, they just need the opportunity. Yep. And they call that, you know, Supercross, the FIM World Supercross Championship, but, you know, yeah, it races in Canada once. 
Um, but it would be kind of neat, you know, if maybe they started the season and did three or four races in, or the last three or four races, either way, or maybe in the, somewhere in the middle, whatever. Just do go to Europe and do some of that stuff. I mean, yes, that, that makes it too expensive for our uh, privateers to do it. But you know what? It also allows the European privateers a foot in the door. So there used to be something called the, the, I think it was the FIM Grand Championship uh, that would combine the AMA Supercross and the AMA uh, uh, US Outdoors into a single championship. And they would, oh. they would add those together. I remember one year that uh, that was the big talk is um, that, well, James Stewart won the combined uh, championship, you know, FIM championship, and that kind of went away. But I think you could do that where you had the U.S. Supercross championship as it is, mm-hmm. or maybe maybe cut it down to fourteen races. But you know, again, that's another whole another segment. But do that, and then then the privateers can can do their Supercross, your American Supercross, and then yeah, the last four races don't count like you crown the U S champion at the end of the 14th race. And then you start in on the, the world FIM, which is a, a separate four race thing. And then you can still, if you race all of it, you can be grand champion, but there's a U.S. champion, uh, a European champion, and then a grand champion. And Mm -hmm. that way, you know, when we go over there, they would still have a chance to get a championship and race against the best here that, you know, yep. want to go for the grand championship. Yep. Yep. And, and instead of, well, you can race the U S championship, but then you have to spend, you know, six weeks racing in Europe. You got to pay for all the stuff in Europe. You don't have your parts. You don't have your, you know, your, your teams, you got to get other trucks over there. And that would be a really big to do. For, yeah. for most people. So it's like, well, if you don't have the resources for that, but that could also get the European and American teams to work together more and maybe find more synergy in, in, you know, teams on, on each side of the pond and possibly find more homologation, uh, you know, stuff to, to work together maybe loosen up the restrictions over here a little bit mm-hmm. uh, and tighten them up over there. Cause I know that's kind of their F one test bed yeah. is uh, is over there, but people aren't racing in the FIM stuff right now. There's a lot of empty gates when I yep. watch yep. and that's not <laughs> healthy for their sport either. Nope. 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 There's no money in it for them. Just for just whatever their the factory that hires them pays them. There's no purse money or anything like that. So that's, it's hard to, it cuts down the drive. Yeah. But if you have people going to supercrosses with top American talent, you know, in the, in the end of, of, uh, supercross, or, you know, maybe it needs to be in the middle so that it doesn't overlap with, uh, FIM outdoors, Mm -hmm. you know, so maybe it does need to be, uh, kind of in the middle and that could give a break to the 250 teams and privateers to spend, you know, four or six weeks recovering from injuries and, and <laughs> getting their stuff together and repracticing and 
you know, finding new suspension settings, giving everyone a, a little break that isn't going to go over to Europe uh, and, and race that series. But mm-hmm. um, then it's not just these one-off bursty overseas, overseas races that, you know, they just go there to get the money, which, you know, it's funny. They say there's no money in FIM outdoors, but then everyone from America goes overseas to make money in Supercross. Yeah, yeah there's apparently money there. Yeah, they're just looking in the wrong spot. You know, don't look under that couch, look under that one. Yeah. So, but no one from uh, Youth Stream is going to be interested in any of that. So, until they are, until Youth Stream starts, you know, playing nice with the AMA and, you know, event organizers here, I just don't see it happening. Yep. But it'll be nice to see. Uh, another Florida race that isn't just Daytona because the sand, there should be more sand uh, at Tampa and that should, that should make for a pretty different race. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's not going to be outdoors. It's indoors. Mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting to see how that breaks down uh, with what type of dirt they, they end up bringing in and, you know, just, how that how that works because I don't remember the last time they went to to any anywhere else. Did they go to Orlando a couple of years ago? It kind of rings a bell. <clears throat> there might have even been a Jacksonville uh, before too. Yeah, that's very very possible. Um, but yeah, I think that'll be that'll be good. It'd be nice to start the East Coast swing if nothing else. Uh, see them go through uh, through the the ruddy the more ruddy sections yeah. uh, and see the track deteriorate differently. I think that, you know, when the track does get really ruddy and torn up, that's definitely, you know, as long as you can stay on two wheels is going to play into Eli Tomac's hands. Yeah. He's the one I, guy that can, the worst, the worse it gets, the better he gets. Uh, yeah. So the, it, this should, too, this should play exactly. to his strengths a little bit. I, I completely agree. And yeah. we're going to see, kind of a fitness check, you know, who, who ran too hard in the first third of the season and is going to start burning out and who like Cooper Webb is finally getting their, their suspension settings or getting their head right and going to start really uh, putting up the numbers. Cooper Webb's definitely done getting 12th place for the year. Yeah, I, I agree. I don't think we'll see him outside of the top five again uh, yeah. and probably on the yeah. podium most of the time. But it's also unlikely that Tomac and Roxon will be too. So they're probably going to, you know, barring any issues, any problems, this thing's going to go a long ways with these three guys. Yeah, but I mean, if they do make a mistake, they've got the likes of Barsha and Anderson and Baggett and Cincerillo all breathing down their throats to push him back to eighth. Yep. So, yep. I'm definitely looking forward to uh, this weekend and one more weekend. And then, uh, then they're going to be here in my new, uh, my new area. Get to get to go to the, uh, to the big Supercross out here in the giant stadium. So that's going to be fun. I'm looking forward to that. It's always fun when, when Supercross comes to town. So this will be three Supercrosses for me this year. Cause we already have our Seattle tickets. Oh, nice. <laughs> Spoiled or what? Little bet. Little bet. 
I'll be happy to go to one, but three Somebody does sound be spoiled. Creepy. It might as well be me, right? Well, I mean, there's also me. That's another person <laughs> that it could be, but I will acquiesce, and that is that is acceptable. Um, yeah, well, th- I think that'll just about do it. Uh, just a few minutes short, but uh, not bad for for being a man down. You know, we uh, we hope yep. that you know hope. You get to join us again soon, Dave. Uh, I'm sure he was yelling about some of those facts. Uh, uh, you know, I'm sure he he has encyclopedic knowledge of the last time that we were in yeah. in Florida for a race other than Daytona. Uh, so hopefully we'll get him back very soon. Yep. But uh, in in the meantime, go ahead and uh, check out the other shows on the network. We've got a automotive podcast, which is Garage Night. And uh, if you like video games, you should check out our uh, every two weeks we put out uh, just another side quest, uh, which is just uh, me and a, a couple of my a uh, couple of my friends talking video games. Uh, my uh, longtime friend James and his wife, uh, we uh, sit down and we discuss the state of video games and what we've been playing. So if you enjoy that, uh, check it out. And then. Uh, uh, you know, all the, all the normal channels, uh, keep following the Instagram page, which is loose folks podcast. And, uh, you know, if you have any, any ideas, uh, of topics you would like us to cover or any, any thoughts, uh, tell us we were wrong about something. People love that. Uh, go ahead and, and put it in the comments or a direct message and, uh, I'll get back to you. Um, all right. Do we have any, any final thoughts, uh, before we go? Um, just looking forward to another race this weekend. Excellent. Yep. We will be tuning in and, uh, we'll talk to everyone next week. All right. All right. We say time to say good night. Good night. Thank you for listening to the Loose Spokes podcast. A special thanks for Jahazer for the use of their song, The Last Ones, under the Attribution Share Alike license.